Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of A Writer's Rambling. Ugh, shit. In today's episode, we are... Th- or today's gonna be a little bit different than most times, or most other episodes, simply because, um, one, it's been a while since I've done the last episode, and two, today's episode is actually technically going to be sort of like a part two to a different episode that we already did. Okay. The first time that we did this episode was probably... It's actually the number one episode that I get. Or my most popular episode. So, of course, I guess that's something that people are really, really interested in about. Uh, interested about. My, one, uh, my biggest issue, however, is that that episode doesn't really focus a lot of detail. Okay? It does talk about my personal issues and stuff like that a little bit. But it's very vague, personally, in my opinion. So, of course, we're going to be talking about character design. The episode title is going to be called Character Design Part 2, and of course, another reason why this episode is going to be a little bit different is because we're going to be talking about the things I don't like in character design, as well as things that I want to see in character design, and of course, other things and stuff like that, and I'm going to be using my own characters and my own story as an example. Another reason, uh, another thing that I also need to talk about quickly before we get into the next bit, of course, is... Um, the reason that we haven't, I haven't been able to do another episode in a long time is because I'm very busy. I'm very busy with work, and then the few times that I'm not, I work, like, my days off. I'm usually just, you know, hanging out, playing video games, drawing, or writing, and doing all kinds of stuff like that. So, of course, I basically have a lot of creative outlets that each one I try to do, and my podcast is technically one of them. So yeah, that's actually what we're going to be talking about. Oh, not that. We're going to be talking about the topic of today, which is character design. Okay? So, I get, well, we're just going to be continuing that conversation. Okay? So, just sit down, relax, and we'll get into this episode today. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, and before we get started, just a little bit of transparency. In the last bit, the intro, I recorded that on my iPad, so the audio might sound a little bit differently. The reason I'm choosing uh, this uh, uh, this entry is actually recorded on my phone. The reason I'm choosing to do so on my phone is mainly because I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, I need my iPad in order to be able to do the recording. I need my iPad in order to show or talk about the characters and stuff. So, of course, that's also something that, you know, I think, eh, maybe I should probably have this on my phone so I can be able to tap and all this other stuff on my iPad without having to worry about, you know, you having to hear the constant tapping and all that other stuff. Okay? So, of course, with that in mind, today's episode, or we get started with today's episode, which is basically character design. So... Character design is obviously probably Pepper. Get off. Anyway, she like jumped right over my phone. Anyway, as I said, character design is probably the most fun thing about creating a TV show or movie or whatever the hell. Simply because when you're creating characters and all this sort of stuff, that's what, you know, makes it fun. Or not really, it allows you to basically be as freeing as possible. You can completely do whatever the hell that you want with your characters, and there's really nothing that somebody can tell you. And yet, at the same time, everything that you do, somebody else can tell you something about it. You know? That's like the weird thing about it. 
one person's favorite character design can be something that another person doesn't really like, you know? And that's, of course, part of the whole concept of character design, you know? One person could look at Mickey Mouse and say that it's a genius character, and another person can look at Mickey Mouse and say it's not a genius character. You know, that's something that's like part of it, you know? But at the same time, though, you know, there's just character design. So character design basically goes from everything. Now, different artists and different creators have different styles of how they create their characters or different preferences on what they do with their characters. Some uh, some people have, and of course, it also goes into art style. So a good example, of course, is uh, a show like Total Drama Island. A show like Total Draw Island has its own different, uh, has a very, very specific art style. It's an easy to understand art style that can easily be copied or understood, uh, or, uh, well, yeah, it can easily be copied so that somebody else can make a character and make it look like they perfectly fit into the Total Drama Island world. Other TV shows like, um, Steven Universe, um, Danny Phantom and many other different TV shows have art style uh, that have art styles that are pretty easy to understand. Their art styles are very easy and simple to understand. So there's not really a, a, a you know you just need to understand the basics of their shapes and stuff like that. And you can basically make any kind of character who fits in their world easily. Other shows, however, have a little bit more complicated art styles. They have a little bit more complicated art styles with different shapes and appearances. And it takes a little bit more steps in order to make a character, in order to make an OC who could technically fit into this world. A good example, of course, is Has-Been Hotel or, of course, Hell of a Boss. Okay, these two shows are basically created by the same person. But, of course, it's a little bit more difficult for somebody to make a, a character for these two shows simply because their art style is a little bit different and wacky. So, it takes a little bit more steps. Hold on. What, you lost it? Sorry, she fucking ran with a penny. Anyway, now what was I saying? Oh, yes, yes. So, um, that's of course another example of that. A lot of anime also has specific art styles that also can make it a little bit difficult for certain people to be able to understand it so easily. And again, another thing that also makes it difficult is just even older forms of animation like Donald Duck in, uh, like Donald Duck in Mickey Mouse. Older versions of uh, uh, Donald are, of course, a little bit more difficult than newer versions of Donald to draw. Okay, so, of course, that's another thing that makes it, uh, these characters, these characters, you know? So, of course, with all that in mind, we have these different characters, obviously. With all that in mind, we have these different characters, and it's all about how you actually decide to bring them into life. Now, of course, parts of this episode are going to be talking about things I already talked about in the first time that we talked about character design. This is all about how I do it. This is not really a rule because there is technically no rules in character design. You can do whatever the fuck that you want with your own characters. There's really no rules of what's good or bad. I talk about the things that I would prefer to see or how I do it. But at the same time, there's real. I'm not a scientist or anything like that. Okay, there is no correct way to do this. At the end of the day, it is your characters in your world. Nobody can tell you what to do with your characters and your world. Okay? 
Just so we're clear. Now, obviously, the few char- uh, the five characters I mainly talk about are, of course, Michael, Jainai, Omito, Bennett, and uh, uh, Jain- uh, uh, and Kai. These are the five characters who I technically created first because they are the f- uh, they are uh, well, hmm, half. Not really half. It's a little bit less than half. But yeah, they're a little less than half of the main characters of the series. My series is separated between 5, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 characters. Well, technically, yeah. But my my series is really separated between 14 characters. The Starry Knights, the Buddy Star, and the Grim Reaper, her best friend, and of course, uh, her mentor. Those are the main characters. Technically, there's also one more character, but I'm going to on a technicality. He's not really a main main character because it doesn't show up very often. Or he doesn't show up in the beginning episodes. Okay, so, as I said, this is, of course, part of, um, you know, character design. You create your characters to be whatever the fuck that you want, and, of course, you can do whatever the fuck that you want. The thing is... I created, uh, this is how I do my characters, and of course, this is also, uh, this also reflects on how I am as a creator, but it also could reflect on how I am as, you know, just a person who creates character designs, or just how I am and my personal preferences. Before I created my five characters, I decided to do it the same way Rebecca Sugar does, which of course, or the I call it the Rebecca Sugar method. Okay? The Sugar method... Or the Rebecca, the RS method or whatever the fuck, is basically when you separate your personality into different components. You take a look at yourself and separate your personality into different components and then personify those components. Okay? So, of course, I decided to separate my personality into five. Or Rebecca Sugar did it with three, using her brother Steven as the example. Or not really, as the main subject. Rebecca Sugar separated her personality into three different ways that she acts around her younger brother, Steven. Or her little brother, Steven. <laughs> With that in mind, she has Pearl, her mother's side, Garnet, her stoic side, and Amethyst, her fun side. These are all technically how she acts around her younger bro- uh, around her little brother. So technically, if we think about it uh, uh, in a sense, that would mean that Alexandrite is Rebecca. Their personality would be the same, you know? Now, of course, that's, uh, that's, of course, just, you know, a weird thing about these characters. And, of course, the thing about them is uh, they're just her, separated, and personified. And that's, of course, what I decided to do with my five characters. The five of them are, of course, five different aspects of my own personality. What are you doing? See that. Anyway, these five characters are five parts of my own personality. Each of them are a personified version of those personal, uh, or a version of those personalities, or a piece, uh, or that's part of their main personality is that piece of it. I decided to do it in five ways that I act around different groups of people. Okay. So of course, with that in mind, Michael, of course, is basically me when I'm dealing with people who I don't know, people who are older than me, or people who are just don't really know very well. Kai is of course me with my friends. Well, technically a specific group of friends. Omito technically is the most well-rounded or technically the personification of me dealing with other people or different groups of people. 
like a group of children and adults I don't know or my friends and uh, my school friends or my friends and people I don't know, you know? So of course, that's Omito. Banana, of course, is me at school or when I'm dealing with my girlfriends and stuff like that. So of course, that's just Banana. And of course, then there's Jainai, who's just me when I'm dealing with children or my siblings. Each of these characters are, of course, personifications of my own personality, with different parts of them being reflected in different uh, parts of each other, you know? So, of course, that's also the thing about these five characters. I did not do this with the rest of the cast, however. The rest of the cast are all different characters who are just, you know, based off of real people in my life or just ideas that snowballed into a character. But still, though, when it comes to the five uh, members of the Bloody Star, they are, of course, just that. Personifications of these personality traits. Some of them have good personifications, and some of them uh, don't. Though, personally, I think that Omito actually has the worst qualities of me, and I don't- And this is why I specify, or I usually try to specify, that I'm not Omito. Omito and me share a name- we share a name because I always liked that name. It was a nickname for a long time, and I ended up going by that name for a long time. But I don't go by that name. I just, yeah, I just don't. <laughs> I don't go by that name. I go by it as an artist, Omito Boy. But at the same time, though, Omito is not me. You know, the other character, all of them are me, and yet none of them are. And Omito especially. Omito technically has what I would say the worst qualities of me and everything I don't like about myself. So of course, I don't like being compared to Omito or have people saying that I'm basically just like, yeah, I, yeah, please don't. Anyway, but of course, that's part of character design. Sometimes your characters might have things that you like about them and some of them might not. But these are, of course, all part of character personality designing, where you're designing the personality of the character itself. Now, designing the character's personality can be sometimes the most difficult part of a character. That sometimes might be the most difficult part for a lot of people. Designing what they look like is pretty easy and fun. Lots of people love designing their characters and stuff like that. And they usually make them pretty flat in the sense that these characters have a specific personality that they're just trying to create or trying to do just as a way to create something interesting. This person creates a cool, edgy character, but the character doesn't really have anything else to their personality besides being the edgy one. There's really nothing special about that character. And of course, with that in mind, that's of course part of it that makes it like, you know, the character, you know? So of course, with that all in mind, the audience, of course, or not really the audience, but the creator ends up having this character who's kind of one note or very flat. And of course, with characters, it's way more than that. Another thing that also runs into, or another thing that always comes into an issue with characters is, of course, the idea of characters also being flat, despite the fact that they're more than just the one thing that they're supposed to be. So the edgy character, and he does show a little bit of emotion or expand, but not very much. He's usually very similar or stays in the same zone that this character is supposed to be. But real people aren't like that. Real people are very different and have very different person- not different personalities, but very different ways of handling themselves in very different situations or just ways in general. Okay, despite the fact that Michael is incredibly shy and 
you know, uh, soft-spoken and stoic. He's also incredibly loud. Well, not really loud, but yeah, he's also kind of loud. Michael's also kind of loud and excitable and silly and uh, and childish. But that's mainly because he's been hanging out with Jainai. But if he's hanging out with Kai, he's back to good old Michael because he doesn't really know Kai very well, you know? So, of course, characters have different personalities or different ways that they interact with each other with different groups of people. Kai is a player. He's a player and uh, will mess around with a lot of different people. And he's very uh, forward-thinking. The problem, however, is Kai also feels uncomfortable around other people that he doesn't really know. And, you know, doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't really open up to people. Binette, of course, is silly and fun and deals with the fact that people don't really take her seriously, even though she's just as powerful or just as uh, more serious as anybody else. People have this weird assumption that Binette is not as serious, you know? Again, that's just part of the characters, you know? The characters of this world, or not really this world, but the characters in this sense all have different issues that they don't like and issues that they do like, and things about them that they do like. So, of course, you know, designing a personality is also something that you need to think about. Is the character's personality a believable personality for them? Like, can you actively try your best to act out this character? Don't just write the actions of what the character might do. Try to actually understand the character. Think about everything from their perspective. And you have to think about that in the sense of their backstory. Because character design is not just designing a personality and then designing the character's a- uh, appearance. It's also designing their background. Where they came from, what they were born with, and, you know, how they grew up. No one is born with a personality. Your personality forms as you're getting older and as your life grows and, uh, and as you experience life. Somebody who had practically no money throughout their entire childhood and lived through poverty will end up becoming a more frugal person when they become older. They will become more frugal and be more attentive to how much money they have and pay attention to how it's being used. Rather, uh, rather than somebody who basically never had to worry about money and doesn't really understand it very well. So they're very materialistic and they were spoiled their whole life. So they grow up with this mentality that in order to show affection, you must give something to this person or buy something. Then, So, of course, they're very materialistic. Now, of course, neither of these things are bad and neither of them are good. This is just an example of how different personalities are formed. People have different ways of being raised or other things like that. that of course, shows that's just how character uh, that's just how these people are. So, of course, that's part of your characters, or that's just part of them as a whole. You as an audience member need to understand that that's just character design. Your characters all have different ways of interacting and ways that you can design their personalities and who they are as a a person. And, you know, you need to do it in a way so that you can actually believe it. Or not believe it, but in a way that you can understand it. And you can actively make it so that you can predict what that character is most likely going to do. At any moment, when I'm talking or when I'm doing a scene with any of my characters, I know what they're going to do. Because I know them that well. I don't have any question of whether or not they're not going to do this or, dang, what should I make the character do? No, 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 no. I don't deal with that question. That question of what should I make the character do? 
No, no, no. I personally, I personally will tell you to avoid that question. Don't ask, if you are asking yourself, what should I make the characters do? No, 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 no. Don't do that. Because then that basically makes it you are controlling the character. If your character is actually well designed and they have a great personality and all that stuff, then you shouldn't be asking yourself, what should I make the character do? No. What is that character gonna do? At some point, if you get it done or if you do it in a certain way, eventually these characters are gonna write themselves. You know, they're gonna write themselves. They're literally going to start doing their own thing and choosing their own decisions and stuff like that. You're still making it happen and you're still thinking about it and stuff. But at the end of the day, you're these characters start writing themselves, you know? I, of course, have been writing episode... I'm on episode three now, where I'm writing out sort of a screenplay. Not really a screenplay, but basically I'm writing out, quote, the script of the episodes. I'm on episode three now, and when I'm in the zone and stuff like that, I don't even need to think about it. I don't need to think about it. I just write, and I, I literally voice act these characters myself sometimes. As I'm writing, I'll repeat what the character is saying in an in a, 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 a attempt at voice acting them. I try my best to try it. And of course, once I finish one character's sentence, I immediately think about, I immediately then reply to that. Like I instantly change it to the other character and then reply to that. And of course, the conversation sounds normal. It's a real conversation. And I'm literally just having the conversation going like that. Rather than, okay, this is the, what the character said. What would Michael say? Michael would say, I think Michael would say this, this, and that. No, 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 no. Nah, nah, nah. I know what these characters are going to say. I know what they're going to say because I've worked on their personalities that well and that much. Okay? Everything about their personalities, I decided to write. I took all that stuff into mind. I took Michael's background of how he was born, uh, his childhood, and uh, and all that stuff. Okay, so it gets to the point, and also another thing is, I also like to put them in specific situations. I also have created many different tests, specifically to, uh, to test out what the character would do. Now, in a previous episode, I mentioned some of these tests. One of the tests that I called it was the monster test, but we'll get into those tests in a bit. For the personality test, these are tests that I specifically created as like simulations to test out what the character's personality is like. One test, of course, I call the lost child test. Imagine your character is in a mall or some very populated place as they suddenly come across a lost child. The child could be a boy or a girl, it doesn't really matter, but if you're doing a boy, then all of the other characters you apply in the situation have to be a boy, or not have to be a boy, but it's a boy with all these other characters, or a little girl. It doesn't really matter. The point is, the child, of course, is lost and seems very, very confused and wandering around in, not really in circles, but not leaving a specific area as the child just keeps wandering around from the left to the right, back to where it originally was, um, walking off to the wall, walking off over to the center of the hallway. It just seems lost. (laughs) What would your character do in this situation? Now, of course, that's part of the character. From this point on, this is, of course, where you think about your character. You think about the character as a person, and you uh, and you decide to make decisions on what that character would do. In Michael, Michael is going to be my t- guinea pig for today. Michael, Michael, of course, 
being a, a huge guy, he, he would approach the child and immediately the first the child would immediately notice him. Now, Michael, of course, is quite intimidating with his massive size. So, of course, he'd probably just crouch down and kneel down before the kid and then ask the kid, what's wrong? Are you lost? The kid, this is, of course, this is another thing. I make it so that um, the situation is always going to be the same regardless of uh, the character. So the kid is going to react the same way regardless of the character. However, it's about the character and how they're going to handle it. Certain things that they say or might do might change it, but it's very much like Detroit Become Human. Certain actions are destined to happen regardless. The child is going to say that they are lost or whatever. But what happens afterwards when the, uh, whatever Michael says after the child says that he's lost changes what's going to happen. Michael, of course, offers the kid, can I help you find your mom or your dad? To which the kid then says yes. Michael then stands up and then says, come on, let's take you, uh, uh, let's walk around until we find your parents. So which the kid ends up walking around with Michael. Michael and the kid are walking for a good minute until the kid ends up then uh, stopping and then says that the kid wants to be carried by Michael. Michael then decides to put the kid on his shoulders and begins uh, uh, saying, pay attention to the adult's faces and see if they, uh, you can find your mom or your dad. To which Michael then just walks around with this kid on his shoulders as the kid ends up enjoying the ride but at the same time also just looking around at all this stuff okay so of course they end up finding the parent and well not really the parent ends up finding them seeing their kid on the shoulders of some big guy as the parent runs over the parent ends up uh, uh, saying oh my god thank you for finding them to which michael then lowers the kid and then says you're welcome now in this situation in my case of the story or whatever uh, Michael technically is recognized. So the parent immediately is like, oh my God, you're Michael. Wow, whatever, whatever. And of course, Michael then thanks them. Of course, the kid doesn't know that because the kid is too young to learn about what Michael did. So of course, you know, that's of course another reason that affects it. Okay? Now, if we make the situation a teenager, let's make it a teenager, the situation would be the same, but it would be that the kid, uh, the teenager immediately recognizes Michael on the spot. You know, so again, depending on what kind of age that you're doing, it also affects it as well. So this test, the lost child test, technically is a customizable test where you can add different kinds of groups and situations. A pair of siblings or um, an elderly man or woman, a woman who lost their child, all kinds of stuff. You can add all kinds of different things to these characters and even show off these characters using their powers or not. Just how, or just based on how they would handle the situation. Now, this is mainly just to show off the person's uh, personality. Michael saw the child and immediately made the decision to help, while Kai, however, chose to ignore the child. Kai chose to ignore the child, and it's only when he stepped away and began hearing the child crying did Kai immediately stop and then decide, fuck it, and turn around and then begin helping the kid. Okay, so of course, different characters have different personalities and different ways of handling things. Kai chose not to intervene originally because, you know, he just didn't think that it was a good idea for him to intervene, mainly because he's not great with kids. Still, though, the rest of the team all decided to immediately help uh, the kid without thinking. Kai is the only one that said no. So, of course, that's also part of the character's personalities. Kai is not good with kids. He just isn't really good with kids. 
So, of course, it would make sense for him to not really want to interact with the kid and believing that it's probably best that he's not the one to help the kid. While everyone else has different ways of handling the kid, with Michael lowering his uh, uh, body so that he's kind of face level to the kid. With Bennett being very motherly and Jainai and Omito trying to make the kid laugh by using their powers or showing how magical they are. With Jainai floating in the air like Peter Pan and Omito shapeshifting his hand into a dog to, you know, talk to the kid using his hand like a puppet, you know? Now these are all different ways of how these characters would interact with the kid. And that's because I designed their personalities and I'm also taking their abilities and their background into, uh, into account. So, of course, that's part of character design. Now, another thing that you also need to think about, when we finally, finally, when you finally get out of, um, when you finally design the basis of their personality, then you could start designing their physical appearance. I always made it a point to design the character's personality first, then their appearance. Because if you design the character's appearance and then you try to design their personality, I personally believe subconsciously you're going to base their personality off of their appearance. Subconsciously. Even if that's not really your intention. If you create a ballerina character first and then you try designing a personality for that character, it's most likely that you're going to make them a perfectionist or very elegant, using big words, very smart, book read, all that stuff, you're probably going to be adding all this stuff onto the character, despite the fact that you didn't really intend the character to be that. That's why I would say design the character first. Uh, th- th- design the character's personality first, then design the person, uh, then design the character's physical appearance. Because that's also us in humans in real life. No, my, I did not get my personality, I got my personality first before I designed, uh, before I get my appearance, okay? So, when I dress myself, I dress myself because I have my own personality, my style. My style, or my personality dresses myself. So, of course, in animation, it should be the same thing, or character design, it should be the same thing. Don't give me perfectionist character, uh, don't give me this character who is a ballerina and then design their personality because then it's basically the outfit designed the personality itself how uh, uh, rather than the personality who designed the outfit itself you know and i really don't like characters who you can look at them and immediately get their personality immediately i don't like characters like that Personally, I would say that none of my characters have a design or outfit that you can look at them and immediately guess what their personality is most likely going to be. So none of them look like bad boys. None of them look like bad boys with biker uh, jackets and all this other stuff, hoodlums. They don't look like that. None of them have this kind of aesthetic to them. None of them, uh, these uh, girl characters have this perfection, ballerina, uh, prima donna kind of appearance to them. You can't really tell any of their personalities just by looking at them, you know? They all have their own different clothing and different outfits and stuff and appearances. And there's really nothing about them or about their dress or appearances that tells you that this character has a specific personality. Okay? You really can't tell. The one thing that you probably could tell is probably Julian. And that's only because he's actually wearing kind of worker's pants he's working workers pants but even then that doesn't really say much about his personality most people would probably assume that probably just says something about where he was born or where he was raised you know but it again you can't tell none of these characters you can look at them and guess oh she's bitchy or oh he's a dick 
or this person's a smartass or this person's stupid. You can't tell any of these characters are like that. Simply because I avoided all the things you would normally see with these characters. Jabari and Michael are both buff characters and yet neither of them have this buff, I'm a stupid, big tank character kind of design to them. Neither of them have this. They just, you know, they're just bigger and taller characters who wear regular clothing. They're not showing off, well, technically both of them are kind of showing off some skin, but still, they're not really this big, stupid tank character, you know? They're not more brain, uh, they're not more brawn than brain, you know? With Kai, Kai is the bad boy kind of character, but yet he's not. Or you can't tell he is, he's just in regular armor, and his armor is very similar to that of Omito. So, of course, you can't really tell. Jasonio and Ashan are both wearing the exact same armor. Their armor just looks a little bit differently because they have very different body types. But you can't tell anything about their personalities because that's a uniform. It's not really an outfit for them. It's a standard uniform for their people. Okay, so again, you can't tell. Hold on for one second. So, of course, that's part of the characters that I like. That's something that I like in character design. I like the idea of looking at a character and then say, Ooh, I want to get to know you. Or, what are you like, you know? So, of course, with that in mind, that's, of course, something that I really want you to try to do in character design. Make your characters in a, in a specific appearance where you can't just look at them and really get who they are. Alistair from Hasbin Hotel... You can't tell. <laughs> you can't tell what Alistair is like. You can kind of tell that he cares about his appearance just by looking at the fancy suit that he's wearing and stuff. And that's it, though. His appearance makes it... Uh, or actually, tell you what. Honestly, if I'm being honest, his appearance gives you the impression that he's kind of, like, very elegant and stuff. But his personality kind of gives off that impression, but not really. It mainly, uh, understanding how he acts and looking at how he is, you uh, you look at him and you think, oh, he's going to be like the really, really smart aristocrat. However, seeing his personality, it doesn't, it translates differently. And it says, oh, he's dressed kind of like he's some, some fancy aristocrat. But then you're hearing him talk and how he's acting. And it's like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. You're not an aristocrat. You're just dressed like how you were raised. You're you just dressed in the clothing that you kind of, you know, the period that you lived in, that's what you're dressed like. You're dressed like uh, the area, uh, the period in time that you lived in. You know, that's the thing. With um, Angel Dust, Angel Dust has an appearance that, in my personal opinion, it kind of comes off as Angel Dust is in a professional, uh, uh, a professional um, career, but can't really take it seriously. At least that's what I got from Angel Dust's original design. With the boots, the suit kind of thing that Angel Dust got, the gloves, it all kind of, well, I don't know if he's wearing gloves, but whatever. The point is, Angel Dust's appearance kind of gives me the impression that Angel Dust is in a situation where he's in a professional situation, like an office job, but I don't know, his appearance kind of looks like he's in an office job, but he's got fucked up hair and can't really be taken seriously, or he's somehow in this job and he's definitely not fit for this job you know but of course that's just the appearance i got from angel dust's appearance just looking at his character design and his clothing because character design and clothing technically go hand in hand and yet angel dust is nothing like that 
is, of course, another reason of why I like this show. It has nothing to do with these characters. Futurama, despite how many people will probably feel, has amazing character designs. None of these characters have any kind of appearances or anything about them that gives off the impression that you can just tell who they are. Amy, of course, wears sweatpants and a sweatshirt all the fucking time. And she's smart and sassy and, like, she makes a smart comment all the time. And she's kind of stupid, but still, she is, you know, this interesting character. Then we also have Leela, who's the captain of the team, and yet she doesn't really dress like she's a big fancy captain. She kind of just dresses like one of the guys. And of course, with that in mind, that's of course perfect for this character. You know, and here, we, of course, we also have um, other characters like, well, Hermes kind of dresses for his job, but even then, it's still, you know, there's still a lot of different characters who just have their own appearances and stuff, or their own styles of clothing, and yet they don't really look that way, you know? That's, like, the weird thing about it. You know, you can't really look at these characters and say, oh my god, I know exactly what this character's personality is gonna be like, you know? And that is what I would personally add onto my little checklist of, like, good character design. Can I look at your character and immediately get what they're like? Or can I meet... Can I look at your character and judge a book by its cover and be kind of close? Can I do that? If I can't do that, then yay, good points for you, because I thought I could look at your character and immediately say, oh yeah, your character's probably a prima donna. Yeah, I'm just gonna check that off. Because that's, of course, something that I really hate. I really hate princess, um, princess characters and all this other stuff, really uptight princess characters, prima donna, cheerleader, captain, whatever characters. I hate these kind of characters simply because they're very obvious most of the time. Now, back to all of that. When we finally get out of all of that, the personality and all that other stuff, then of course we go into the character's physical appearance. This is of course where we really get to have a lot of fun. Now, yes, we were just talking about physical appearance, but this, when I may say, uh, when I say physical appearance, I mean, we're actually designing what the characters physically like. I always intended for Michael to be a very big character. Michael is a gentle giant. He is a titan. And of course, we also talk about the fantasy. And this is also kind of where we, again, depending on your story, you have very different ways of handling this. I stated in many other episodes that I don't really like the idea of how restricted certain races are in storytelling or video games or anything like that. Why is it that we can't ever have a fairy that's actually helpful on a team? Fairies are always nice and sweet and always so pure and innocent and all that stuff and they're so tiny and you would never find a fairy on a, on a team because they'll never actually be able to help you on a team in any practical way. Why is it that our ogres are always ugly? Why is it that giants are deemed huge and dumb? I never understood a lot of this stuff, when a lot of this stuff could actually be very fucking helpful. Or, you, there's a lot of wasted potential in these kind of characters. So with Michael, I made Michael incredibly smart. Michael is an incredibly big nerd. <laughs> Literally, he's a big nerd, and he's also a gentle giant. Okay, I made his uh, physical design a giant, and of course, you know, based on the world and how I made my story, Michael's normal height is pretty fucking tall, but uh, but in his actual biological height, he's 28 feet tall. 
with special rings that he wears, he's able to shrink down and grow uh, and basically shrink down to like 6'9 or something. So he's normally like 6'9 or something like that. I don't know, really somewhere around there. But that's usually his normal height or his human height. But when he takes the rings off, he reverts back to his actual height, which is 28 feet tall. Now, of course, then we, of course, have, um, you know, the rest of the characters with Kai being an elf. I always hated the fact that elves are small and short and have big ears and all that stuff. Fuck that. I based Kai off of Link from The Legend of Zelda. So, of course, with that in mind, I wanted my I wanted Kai to basically be this character, you know, I wanted Kai to be this character who basically is like Link from The Legend of Zelda, but also a combination of the Gerudo. I always loved the Gerudo tribe from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and just The Legend of Zelda in general. I always loved them. So, of course, I made Kai a combination of the two while also using Jet, Zuko, and many other characters to be inspiration for Kai's personality, fighting style, and abilities. So Kai is an elf, and I made it so that he's a human height. Yeah, he's a little bit shorter than most men. A little bit, just barely noticeable, but still, Kai is still a human height. Then, of course, we have Omito, a demon. The reason I made Omito a demon is because I wanted to use a demon in this kind of way. But at the same time, another thing is demons have the most creativity in their uh, in their physical appearances. Every culture has a demon somewhere in their religion or somewhere in their beliefs. In, in animation, demons have all kinds of different appearances. Okay, everything from the Inuyasha demon to the demons of, uh, of Bayonetta all of these different things have very very different appearances with that in mind of course you know i made it so that this single creature could technically be all of those things in this world the demon from bayonetta and the demon from inuyasha all of them fit in this category which is omito omito's physical appearance was actually based or his biology was based off of the gems from steven universe in my story every living creature or not really Every being, so every one of the races has a soul. The soul is basically you as a person. It's your main thing. Now, most organic beings, like humans that can bleed and die, all of them can be killed by their body basically being damaged beyond repair or their soul being damaged. If the soul is damaged, then you cannot be reincarnated. Uh, then your personality cannot be reincarnated. Yeah again and you're just you just cease to exist with demons they don't have that their bodies are quite literally just an illusion like gems in the universe their bodies are an illusion of an element that they naturally have in my own story every race has a soul every one of them and that soul is of course inside of their chest somewhere now the thing is Everyone also, or every individual person, is born with a specific element that is, of course, their natural or affinity element. Okay? Some races wear their element on their sleeve, like like elves and demons. And some other races don't really wear it on their sleeves, and they're just like regular, like everyone else. And some of them, it's practically impossible for you to guess which one their element is. For elves in question, their hair color and eye color reflects the color of the uh, reflects the element that they have. And because this has been a thing in their culture for so long, they don't even go by the actual element name; they go by color. 
a grass elf or a leaf elf is automatically called a green elf in their culture. Kai, however, is a white elf, which means that he doesn't have an element. He's the one example of he doesn't have a natural affinity. And as a white elf, Kai can technically call, uh, change, and, uh, change his element into any other color or any other element, just by coming in contact with it. And even multiple elements. Again, Avatar inspiration. And of course, with Michael and Jainai, or really with Michael, Michael is just like every regular human. His element is not really shown on his physical appearance. The element is completely random. Two fire elementals can have a child and their element can be born, and their child can be born with an ice elemental. We don't really know. It's completely random. In Michael's case, there's nothing physically about his appearance that uh, tells you what element he is. And of course, that's on purpose. But of course, that's just Michael in question. With Omitoho, uh, but of course, with characters like Bennett and, My- uh, and Jainai, Jainai's race has an affinity or mainly is very closely associated with one element, as all fairies can manipulate plant life. So being a grass elemental is pretty common, or is actually, you know, expected. Jainai is not a grass element. Uh, he's not a grass elemental. He's actually a water elemental. So of course, his affinity is towards water. However, he can still manipulate plant life because all fairies can. Now, of course, then there's Omito. Omito's physical appearance, or Omito's a demon, which means that, like uh, elves, he wears his element on his sleeves. Everyone, technically, could know his element if he decides to show it off. And with Bennett, Bennett is a witch, which means that she could technically use magic. And her main priority is using magic and studying magic, rather than actually manipulating the element that she's a, a, a vanity, uh, uh, or closer to. Because of this, Bennett has mastered uh, uh, basic and uh, uh, basic and advanced elemental magic, to the point where it's basically impossible for Bennett to even guess which one is actually her official affinity. Because she's so skilled with all of them, or many of them, that it's practically impossible for her to physically guess or figure out which one she was actually best at, you know? And of course, with Omito, I keep going back to him, he's a demon. (laughs) While everyone else has blood and organs and nervous systems, Omito is just a soul in his element, shadows and darkness, being manipulated to give this impression or being manipulated into making this physical appearance. So Omito is just an illusion. His face, his eyes, his mouth, his um, his hands, his legs, his chest, all that shit. It's just shadows and darkness being solidified and manipulated and colored so that he can basically give you this impression of a body. You can hug him, he can hold you in the air, but he's not real, it's just an illusion. His actual appearance is really just a crystal soul on the inside of his body. Because of that, Omito can shapeshift himself into anything that he wants. And I made it so that that's a huge part of his personality. He's a prodigy at shapeshifting, and at a very young age, he has mastered shapeshifting on a college level. And has a master's degree in shapeshifting. And, of course, shapeshifting shapeshifting uses. Omito is truly a master of shapeshifting and uses it as not only a form of expression but just as part of his personality from everything from making himself into a joke like shapeshifting into a crab so that he could fuck around with a restaurant uh, cook or something and talk to the restaurant cook begging for his life 
from everything to that to using shapeshifting for educational purposes, teaching somebody how something works, or even shapeshifting his body into a weapon to fight. That's, of course, just how Omito is. And, of course, that's just how I design their personalities and their appearances. I designed their, uh, uh, all five of them, I designed their personalities and their races and all this sort of stuff based off of crap I don't like about their race. I don't like that demons, or I don't really like the idea that fairies have to be so tiny and small, and that elves have to be tiny and small, and that giants have to be stupid and dumb, and that witches have to be ugly, and that demons have to be monstrous, or that demons basically can be anything that you want, but the other races I just mentioned can't. That's the thing that I also always got frustrated with. None of these things existed. So why is it that there's such a rule that we cannot do this thing or this thing? If you're creating aliens, you have no limitations. You can do whatever the fuck that you want. However, when you're creating elves, fairies, titans, and uh, witches, there's almost like a rule book. There's almost like a rule book that you have to have this or you have to do that. Which is something that I always find frustrating. So I said, fuck that. And I just made them how I wanted to make them. And I designed their own cultures and their abilities and all this other stuff. Mainly <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons and also Skyrim and many other inspirations and stuff. But yeah, I designed all that stuff simply because I don't like certain things about them. And I changed it because I said so. You know? And that's, of course, what I want you to do. Make your characters the way you want them. Fuck the rules. Okay? One thing I always hate is the fact that goblins look exactly the same in every TV show. Like, you can take a goblin from one TV show and apply it in a different one and no one would notice. And that's not bad. That's totally not bad. But at the same time, dude, come on. Seriously? No one's gonna come up with a creative design for a goblin. No one. Not one. Like, come on, dude. One of these uh, goblin characters is technically the main character of your little show or whatever. Or kind of a big deal or a big plot point in your show. And you mean to tell me that you're not actively using that goblin character for something in your come on dude come on so of course that's something that i always got frustrated with now unfortunately we are hitting our time for this bit so i will be getting into the next bit all right all right to continue where we left off as I originally said with different characters and stuff like that, once you finally get the character's physical appearance, or not really the character's physical appearance and all that other stuff, because that's a lot of steps. In order for you to technically get to the character's physical appearance, you need to think about the the rules of the world, how their culture or how that character's race is going to work and all this other stuff. But if you're having just a regular human character, then it just goes into the idea of or it goes into the part where I was talking about making sure that they're not dressed a certain way so that their personality is completely, they're wearing the personality on their sleeves or other things like that. Technically, you could do it with some characters and make it so that, oh, don't judge a book by its cover. This character looks like this, but they're not actually like this. They're like this. Or this character is kind of like what they're dressed like, but they're a lot more well-rounded than just that, you know? So, of course, you can do technically a lot of different things, but still, you know... Try not to do that. <laughs> Try not to do that. Now, when it comes to different characters, specifically characters like, um, you know, these characters and stuff, I put them all in different, uh, in very different abilities and put them all with very different skills and powers and all this other stuff. Simply because that's just what I wanted. 
I wanted these characters to have these kind of different fights and the different abilities and powers and stuff because that's just something I always intended for these characters. You know? Oh my eye. And of course, that's that, you know, with the idea of these different characters doing all their own things and stuff. That's something that I wanted the audience to be like, holy shit, I like this character for this power. Wait, that character doesn't have the best powers. The best power goes to this character. No, but this character is a beast in the battlefield and all this other stuff, you know? So that whole idea is something that I really always adored. I always adored the idea of these characters having all kinds of different powers and different fighting styles and stuff. And that's also kind of character design. Now, of course, the final thing that we need to talk about for character design is also, well, not really final, but a couple other things that we need to talk about in character design is, of course, female representation and also racial representation. In The Lady Star, we have, technically, one white guy, one racially ambiguous guy that kind of can be, like, Middle Eastern, kind of. Another racially ambiguous guy that can kind of be, like, Hispanic or something, but not even. A black girl and, of course, an Asian guy. So of course, we have this. There's also the issue of the Smurfette situation where we have one single female character in a group of guys. Okay, and of course, that's also something that personally I don't want, I don't like, I don't want that. I don't really like doing that. Yet, at the same time though, I did it anyway with the five star, uh, with both teams. However, in the Bloody Star, uh, in Udoka's situation, her team is just three and it's only one girl. And one guy, and also technically Ingi, but Ingi barely counts. So it's actually a duo with a guy and a girl. Okay? Yeah, Ingi barely counts. He doesn't really leave the temple, so he's. It's mainly. Most of their missions are just Udoka and Sebastian by themselves. Still, though, that's of course part of the whole thing, you know, with these different characters all having their different abilities and different powers and skills and all this other stuff. That's just part of them and who they are as characters, you know? So, of course, that's just something that I really like in storytelling and stuff. I like the idea of having different kinds of characters and different variations of these characters. With their body types and appearances, they're all very, very different. And I made it so that anybody can basically cosplay as them. Or that anybody uh, that anybody in the world could find somebody that they can cosplay as. Okay? So, Omito, in his case, anybody can dress up as him because he's a shapeshifter. So, you literally just need to make the armor that fits your body and then don't even do anything to your hair or face. Because your face will be Omito. You know, all you need to do is just dress like him and bam, you're an Omito cosplay. And you're a pretty good one, too. With everybody else, their physical appearance is their physical appearance, and they're going to look like this regardless of whatever the fuck that they're doing. So that's, of course, something that I want the audience to be able to see. With Bennett, I can actually see girls going to the store in Bennett's outfit. Okay, it's not too much where a girl who's cosplaying for the first time might feel a little bit uncomfortable wearing this. This is a regular outfit. Anybody could wear this. And, of course, that's something that I wanted for uh, my girl uh, audience members. And if not her, then you could do a Sean. If not her, then Udoka, you know? With that in mind, I have three different black girl characters. Techn- this is only in this one little group. Technically, there's way more than that, but still. I have three black girl characters who had different body types, with one being super athletic, like Serena Williams, one being very thick, and another one being really kind of athletic, but just very tall. These are three different body types that three different groups of people can be able to dress up as. Depending on what kind of hairstyle or what kind of body typing that you have, 
and what kind of hairstyle and outfit that you want to go with. Okay, and not even. A thicker girl can dress up like Bennett, or a skinny tall girl can dress up like a Sean. It doesn't really matter. Still though, I wanted it to be there so that there's still that option because there's not really very many uh, athletic black girl characters in TV shows or very thick girl black girl characters in TV shows, you know? So of course, that's something that I want our audience to be able to see and be able to be like, oh my God, there's a character on this TV show that looks like me. I want to co- I want to go to Comic-Con or where the fuck and I want to dress up as this character because they look like me and I think I can do a pretty good a, a, a cosplay of them. That's of course what I want, you know? That's what I want for these kind of characters. And of course, that's a huge deal for me. That whole, you know, that whole thing is a very huge deal for me. <laughs> Sorry about that. But still, that's just something that I want our audience to be able to see and be able to be like, holy shit, I have somebody who I can cosplay as, or I have somebody that looks like me, you know? Because that's a huge deal to a lot of people, or not really a huge deal, but that can be a big deal to a lot of people. You know, when you finally do get that representation, it could seriously, you know, be something that you really, really like, you know? I don't know, I might be overthinking it, but still, my point still stands. Now, as I originally said, with all these different characters and all this other good stuff, you know, character design is way more than just that. It's also about who they are, you know? With the Starry Knights, I made it so the Jabari is technically kind of based off the Aura people, okay? I made it so that these three, uh, these five characters are all very different cultures, very different cultures and very different backgrounds, Okay, with the Starry Knights, you can't really see very much about them. They all look like fantasy stuff, and you can't really see very much representation of what kind of cultures that they could kind of be. But again, it's way more than just that. Jainai, of course, his culture is mainly inspired by Chinese culture. While he does have multiple other inspirations from other nations and other places, most of his culture is based off of Chinese culture. Okay? With Bennett basically being American, kind of, with most of her culture being America, and Omito also being mostly America, but mainly New York, and of course, also, well, not really New York, mainly massive melting pot cities like New York, Las Vegas, and all kinds of other stuff like that. Omito's in his own world. Michael mainly being a character who's kind of Russian in inspiration, and of course, Kai mainly being, I don't even know. Kai's more based off the Gerudo and desert uh, people stuff. So he's not really based off of any individual real life place. He's more based off the Gerudo than anything else. But with the Starry Nights, I decided to make it so that each one of them have different ways of interacting and different things and stuff like that. Jabari, of course, is based off of many different African cultures. He, of course, speaks with an African accent, and of course, of what accent, I don't really know. He might not even have one, I might just take that away and make it so that Jabari just speaks English like an American. But still, Jabari is based off of African cultures and nomad, uh, and um, monks. His outfit, of course, is based off of monks, and his overall style and appear- his overall appearance and abilities and everything about him just screams Africa. I want it to be this African dragon man. That's literally the best way to put it. African dragon man. That's Jabari. Okay? Because his physical appearance is based off the aura. 
Originally, Jabari was supposed to be a centaur, but I said fuck that, because one, I intend to use his character in sexual ways, and I'm not trying to see centaur dick. Okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to see centaur dick. And two, I'm also, you know, I wanted to make Jabari a, a, a Clydesdale or a zebra or some kind of thing. At the same time, he would have the most weird anatomy compared to the rest of the team. And if he is a centaur, then that means that most fans are probably not going to want to do any fan art of this character. Maybe they would, but definitely not any sexual fan art. Most people would be turned off by everything from the hips down and would probably not really want to see stuff with this character. So, of course, I said, fuck that. That was my main, main reason. Plus, I also did not want to learn the centaur anatomy. I did not want to learn how to draw a horse's legs and a lot of other stuff. Fuck all that. I'm just making it so that Jabari is just a massive... Well, not a massive, but he's just a really big guy. He's got devil... Well, not really devil horns, but he's got horns and he's like a dragon man. So, of course, Jabari, you know? I made it so that he's like this dragon man with amazing powers and skills and all this stuff. And I made it on purpose because I thought that it would be cool and even more badass, you know? I want him to literally be a beast, you know? He's a beast of a fighter and a beast of a man in general. And he's also like your older brother, at least in personality. With Ashawn and Jasonio, they're both in the Angel Kingdom, which I kind of wanted to be based off of Greek mythology. Not Greek mythology, but kind of based off of the Greek cultures and stuff, you know? I kind of wanted that for these two. I wanted them both to have this kind of thing that they are based off of Greek, um, not Greek mythology, but their culture is kind of, uh, but their nation is kind of based off of Greek ideas. Statues in their cities, their architecture, all their stuff is based off this kind of stuff, you know? Greek, Catholic, and Christian architecture, well, mainly uh, Catholic architecture, all this other stuff, I wanted it to look like their city or their town was literally what, um, you know, like, uh, Olympus, literally like Olympus or something, you know, that's kind of what I wanted their entire nation to be. So, of course, Jasonio would have a Greek accent, and that would also mean that Ashan has a Greek accent, too, you know, still, though, I don't really know. I, a part of me even didn't want to do that. A part of me wanted to make it so that Ashan basically speaks English with an American accent, and Jasonio basically speaks English with a Greek accent. In the story, I was going, to, I was actually going to make it so that Jasonio, being a prince, technically has to learn how to speak High Angel as well, or speak uh, in uh, Latin. So I would make it so that he basically speaks with a Latin accent, like the language Latin, and also Ashan too. So, eh, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. We're just gonna have it so that both of them might speak with a Greek accent, but if anything, we'll probably just make it so that both of them have random accents. So, uh, Sean might have a southern accent, or an American accent, or a British accent, and Jasonio might have a British accent, or a southern accent, or uh, uh, a Greek accent, or something. I don't really know. Fuck all that. But their accents are definitely gonna be different. And Boan has a Japanese accent. Uh, Boan is entirely based off of the Oni, the Japanese Oni. So, of course, he's going to have a lot of Japanese in uh, uh, inspiration into his design. So, of course, when it's talking and his accent and stuff like that, I wanted to make it so that he's Japanese. And with Neptune, Neptune became the oddball because he basically is just like Kai, that racially ambiguous. So I made it so that he speaks with a, uh, with a Portuguese accent. 
or a Brazilian accent, technically, not really Portugal, but more Brazil. He basically speaks por- uh, he basically speaks with a Brazilian accent. Okay, so yeah, the main reason, of course, was because uh, the main thing that made me make it so that he had to speak with this kind of accent was Jose Carioca, the parrot character who's basically Donald's best friend from Brazil. So of course, that character specifically. That's the one that inspired uh, Neptune to be a Brazilian-speaking character. Or not really Brazilian-speaking, but a Portuguese-speaking character. And then, of course, there's the other rest of the team. Udoka is Nigerian. Now, of course, that's a huge thing. Why would people, most people be like, wait, wait, what, Nigerian? Why Nigerian? Because we don't see it, that's why. I mean, it's just that Udoka is Nigerian. And this is something I want you, the audience, to be able to understand, or not really not really understand, but something to take into account. I am not Nigerian. I have nothing to do with Nigeria. I have I don't really know much about Nigerian culture. But still, I don't know much about Nigeria as a, as a culture. The story is set in the 14th century. Way prior to modern-day Nigerian culture and other stuff like that. Okay? And Udoka wasn't even raised in Nigeria. So, this character prides herself on being Nigerian. Mainly because people don't see her as anything besides the Grim Reaper. And the few times they do see her as anything besides the Grim Reaper, it's never really for something good. Udoka prides herself on being a Nigerian woman, despite the fact that she hasn't been in Nigeria since she was a little girl. Okay, she is a Nigerian Grim Reaper. The reason I chose to make her Nigerian is simply because I never see this in any animation or any kind of TV show or anything. Okay? When you have a character, most times, when you get black representation, you get one or two characters. Maybe three, if you're lucky. But that's as much as you're probably going to get. And even then, they're all American. You're never really going to find a black character from a completely different country. Ever. Unless it's for a specific bit, where the character happens to be a weird foreigner kind of character kind of trope that they're going with this thing. And you're never going to find a character from a completely different country. Just going off of animation, you think that all black people are only from America, and there are no black people anywhere else in the world. Which is weird as shit, because that's not li- it's not like that at all. So why is it that that's so fucking difficult? The only times that you get to see it differently is if the character, it, is if the TV show itself is made in a different country. So if the TV show itself is made in England, then you'll find a black person with a different accent. But even then, it's only going to be that example. So why is it that we don't get to see a Nigerian character? Why is it that we don't get to see a Nigerian character who is the main character of a TV show? Why is it that we don't get to see a black girl as the main character of a TV show? So, of course, that's something that I decided to do. Udoka is the Grim Reaper. She is the most powerful, well, being on Earth, or technically the most powerful human on Earth, kind of. She is the Grim Reaper. She's actually kind of based off of Korra, the Legend of Korra, but still. The thing with Korra... Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> The thing with uh, Udoka, the thing about her is that she is the Grim Reaper. And, you know, it's her job to help humanity out. And I chose to make her a black woman, a Nigerian woman, because here she is, the most powerful being on Earth, the savior to humanity. 
And they want the audience to see that despite the fact that she's the savior to humanity and she's the number one thing that everybody needs to rely on, that doesn't stop the racism, that doesn't stop the sexism. It doesn't matter. People are still going to see her as a black woman. They're still going to see her as a black woman first before they realize that she is the Grim Reaper. And of course, the audience gets to see all of the struggles of this. If I could easily just make her a white man and none of these issues would become a thing and it would just come on. And the, all these scenes and all these different things, the audience member will look at these scenes and just think, wow, it's really difficult being the Grim Reaper. But adding it so that she's a black woman, it adds a new level of context to the situation. You know, the character who disrespected Udoka didn't say anything or do anything. But if Udoka was a man, then an audience member might look at the scene and say, oh, they're probably just acting like that because they're a dick to the Grim Reaper. It's really hard to be a Grim Reaper. <laughs> However, by adding it so that she's a black woman, it would make it so that any audience member could technically see the scene and be like, damn. I think they're, uh, are they being a dick because they're just a dick to the Grim Reaper? Or was that racist? Or was that sexist? It comes into, a, it adds a new light, or not a new light, but adds a new thing to the situation. Which makes it, um, more difficult and more confusing for the audience. You know? When someone's being difficult or being disrespectful to Udoka, she has to wonder to herself... Uh, it's most likely that they're just racist. But at the same time, it might just be that they're sexist or it might just be the fact that she's a Grim Reaper. She can't tell, or she kind of can tell, but in some situations she can't tell. But still, I want the audience to be able to see that it's so difficult because she kind of got, in my opinion, she got the worst combo. It's already bad enough that she's a Grim Reaper. But now that she, uh, but now as the Grim Reaper being born as a black woman, this is probably the worst combo. It's just gonna make her life ten times more difficult to be taken seriously, to be acknowledged, to all kinds of crap. Okay, it's just gonna make everything so much fucking difficult, uh, way more fucking difficult. Which of course is what I want the show to basically see. It's hard being a black woman. And of course, that's the reason why I needed, I didn't want, I needed to make her um, a black woman. Plus, we just don't get to see Nigerian culture, okay? We don't get to see it. We don't get to see Nigerian representation or anything like that. My favorite voice actor, or one of my favorite voice actors, her name is Uzu Wadoba. She is a Nigerian woman, and personally, I would love to have her as the voice of Udoka. But the problem is, I don't know... I don't think that her Nigerian accent, if she was speaking English and then doing an impression of her parents or something like that, I don't think that it would be good enough that a Nigerian person would then say, oh, wow, you're actually from Nigeria. Because Udoka's first language is Yoruba. Her first language is Yoruba, so she's speaking English with a Yoruba accent. Yes, yeah, she was raised in England and all that stuff, but the story doesn't, that doesn't change anything. I intend Udoka to have a Yoruba accent and speaks English with a Yoruba accent. So the, her voice actress needs to be fluent in Yoruba to the point where the audience, any Nigerian audience member, would think that the voice actress's first language is Yoruba. And personally, that's actually best case scenario, honestly. If I really can find a Nigerian voice actress who whose first language really is Yoruba and they speak English with a Europe, fuck yeah, that you, you're, 
Sign the contract. You're the voice. You're the voice of Udoka. <laughs> okay, for real. But yeah, that's like the whole thing that I want for these characters. We have Julian, our little French boy. We have um, Sebastian, our little British boy. We have Bane, our little British boy. We have Ingi, our Jewish, well, Hebrew boy. Because the thing is, there is no religion in the story. So technically, Ingi isn't Jewish. But at the same time, he kind of is Jewish. Okay, English, uh, Ingi speaks Hebrew. He's a black man who was raised in uh, in Israel and speaks Hebrew and all that sort of stuff. So he's he's Jewish in the culture and Jewish in everything else. The problem, however, is that the religion of Judaism doesn't exist in this world. So Ingi's Jewish. He's black and he's Jewish. But he's not Jewish. You know? So that's like the thing. Because... In a sense, Judaism, you can be Jewish as, like, an ethnicity, but you can also be Jewish in, like, a religion. So, Ingi is kind of Jewish in an ethnicity, being an African Jewish person in ethnicity, but the Judaism religion doesn't exist here. So, in the story, to make things kind of easier, I just consider him an Israeli, or I just consider him, um, you know, uh, just a person from Israel... And he, of course, he speaks Hebrew. His first language is Hebrew, and technically he knows every language. <laughs> technically, Ingi could speak Japanese, English, Portuguese, Yoruba. He could speak all these different languages. The thing is, Ingi speaks all these different languages with a Hebrew accent. So he's technically got the grammar and all that stuff right, but he's pronouncing it as if he's speaking Yoruba, uh, speaking Hebrew rather than English. Okay, or speaking Hebrew rather than Cantonese or rather than Spanish. You know, that's just how Ingi is. So, yeah. With all these different characters and their different appearances, I made it so that there's a large set or a large cast. Okay, I have a very large cast. The cast number, if I'm going to look at the thingy. Hold on for just a quick second. Uh, no, not that character. The cast actually has all the way up to 69 plus characters. So technically there's like a hundred... Oh, no, no, no. There's 110 plus characters. If I'm being completely honest. There's 110 plus characters. Okay? So, yeah. That, of course, is the thing about these characters. 110 plus characters that are all part of the story or all have all kinds of different things that they do or say or all this other shit. And of course, that's what I like about it. You know, I like how the idea of having a very large cast with lots of different characters for the audience to, um, to be invested in. And some people might say, wow, but why a large cast? I mean, that's kind of a dumb idea to have a large cast. No, it's not. This is a fucking war, dude. In my story... It, you need a large cast because it's a war. What you can't you can't fight a war with only three characters. You need a large cast if you're having a war. You know, all these characters are all doing all kinds of different crap alone with each other, um, with a new battalion. They're all doing what they can for the war. A war you can't fight a war with just three people. It needs to be way more than that. So, of course, for that reason exactly, we can't just sit, have a small cast, okay? 
for a show like Ben 10, it makes sense to have a smaller cast, or, uh, not really Steven Universe, but, well, kind of Steven Universe, it makes sense for Steven Universe to have a smaller cast. Now, if this show was specifically about the gem, uh, uh, the gem war, then hell no. You need a large cast because it's a fucking war. But yeah, you... Nah, nah, nah. I understand that some people might think it's stupid. But nah, dude. We really... It's necessary to have a large cast when you're making a TV show about a war. Okay? You need this. Now. Um. Oh, sorry. Now, of course, with that in mind... That's what I... I personally like having a large cast anyway. Regardless of whether or not... I'm actually making a TV show like that. Mainly because most of my TV... uh, Most of my ideas and stories have large casts in them. I like the idea of having, like... 10 plus characters. Some people probably hate that idea. And they only want as many characters as they need. Like, everybody else is a background character that we will go multiple episodes without seeing. But these guys... Practically everybody is going to have a a spot in the spotlight at least once a day. In every episode, you're going to see Bane or Julian in the background. At least in a, at least somewhere in every episode. And of course, because of so many different characters and so many different personalities and so many different things, it makes it very difficult to design all their personalities with how much, I, how much detail I made, specifically for one. I add that same amount of detail and all that attention into everyone. So, that's 110 characters who I have to design their personalities and design their backgrounds and their history and all that other stuff. Okay? And yeah, I think about their background and history. Will we get to see it in the story? Most likely not. But the reason I do this is because it makes it so that I can understand what this character's life is coming from or what they're like. Okay? You're most likely not going to get to see Michelle and Sean's childhood. You're not going to get to see them. But I understand what their childhood was like. I wrote or I imagined what their childhood was like and how they came around. So, with that in mind, that drives Michelle and Sean to do everything they can to provide for Michelle's daughter, Bennett, or Sean's ne- uh, niece, Bennett. Okay? Will we ever get to see how their childhood was? Most likely not. But I made that childhood and I wrote it because it forms how they are as a people, or uh, how they are as siblings. So, of course, that's part of these characters, you know? And you've got to have these kind of stuff ready and thought out and all this other stuff, you know? And then, of course, there's also anatomy for characters. Each of these characters, or a lot of these characters, are not human. So, their anatomies have very different abilities and different things like that. Okay, with Jabari, I made it so that Jabari... When you look at his physical design, Jabari is fucking huge and strong. He has these black scale plate things all over his body, and each of those plates can technically use a different element at any given time. So if you're laying on Jabari's chest and you're just hanging out, Jabari could technically heat up that scale by using the fire elemental into that scale and make it a nice warm plate for you to lay your head on. He can light his arm on fire and shoot flames from his arm, or even create a wall of ice by punching a wall. And then freezing the whole wall itself. Or even making his arm into a taser and punching you. He can do all kinds of stuff. Simply because that's just his anatomy. And as well as his abilities. With Neptune. I made it so that Neptune's gills are actually on his hips. Or just above his hips. 
The reason, of course, is because most of the time when you see gills on a human, most of the time you see gills on their neck. You know, gills are on the neck of the human and, you know, because that's where you normally find them on sharks or fish and all kinds of other creatures and stuff, you know? The gills are automatically on the neck of the thing, and that's it. They the water passes through their mouth and then goes into their their uh, gills and flows out. I chose to change that. I put the gills on Neptune's hips mainly because when I like them, or above his hips, just underneath his uh, ribs and stuff. I chose to do that because I like it. I like the design, and also I think it personally makes more sense. Okay, I personally think it makes more sense to put his gills there simply because the gills have to uh, uh, take in oxygen. I made it so that water or air could pass through his mouth and nose and go into his lungs. So if Neptune is breathing air, he can basically breathe through his mouth and lung uh, and nose and it goes into his lungs. And of course, he can breathe out. If Neptune is in a situation where he technically can't do that, or he needs to, um, or if he's like overheating, Neptune can also push the air out through his gills and basically keep an endless cycle of cool air passing through his body to cool down his body, which is a great adaptation for him because as a merman, he can overheat very quickly compared to humans. But for the sake of example, a, a normal human can be in the hot desert for two hours. Neptune could only be in a hot desert for one hour, while a, a character like Giant, uh, like Kai, whose people originate from the desert, Kai can be in the desert for three hours. And that's just part of their biology, you know? That's part of their anatomy and their biology. I always kept these characters' anatomies in mind when designing different things for them. When designing the armor for Ashan and, uh, and Jasonio, I made it so that their armor is technically like a bib. So they put it over their head and then clip it on the backs and sides because they have massive angel wings and they can't just put it on like a shirt. Even their shirts have Velcro on the back because they can't put shirts on regularly. So in the Angel Kingdom, their clothing is all designed with the intention of having wings because this is an entire culture who all have wings. So the idea of an angel putting on a shirt, like, like I'm wearing a t-shirt. The idea of a wearing an angel putting on a shirt like this is wild. And the idea of having, oh, then just put a hole in the back and then you can have the shirt on. Are you fucking kidding me? No! That's a stupid idea and that will never work. That would never work. Okay? Jasonio's wings are huge. He's an owl angel. His wings are massive compared to his body. You would literally just have to, like, put... His shirt would have to be, like, a dress in order for the hole to be big enough. Or, like, um, or basically, like, all the way down to, like, his uh, hips. In, uh, not even past his hips, like, to his thighs or something. For the hole to be big enough to fit his uh, his wings in. Because he has angel wings. Uh, not angel He has owl wings. They're fucking huge. It's easier to just have a regular t-shirt that you just put on over your head. That's, you know basically a bib with a backside you put your wings through the little uh if you know the uh, the shirt falls in between the backside of the wings and then you just take the velcro the zipper or whatever the fuck and just clip it together and bam now your back is covered you're warm and all this other stuff you know that's just how the angel kingdom does their shirts and their armor okay it's with the wings in mind 
With Boan, you'll notice that he doesn't have any clips for his mask. It looks like his mask is just sitting there. That's because the mask is hanging off strings that are hanging from his horns. Because I took his anatomy into account. Boan has two clips that are connected onto his horns underneath his hair that is holding the mask up. This means that Boan can look down and look up and the mask won't go anywhere. Because it's connected to his horns. With Neptune, Neptune has a shirt, but the shirt doesn't cover his gills. It, go, uh, it doesn't cover his gills because, duh, you wouldn't want something covering your face and mouth if you're really, really hot or you're, you know, you're hard, having a hard time breathing, you know? With that in mind, I made it so that Neptune's shirt does not cover his gills, and I also made it so that it's actually designed in a specific way that's very form-fitting, mainly because his clothing is designed for water travel or living in water. So having for, uh, baggy clothing or other draggy kind of things... That's a liability or something that's going to be an issue for him. So rather than dealing with that, his clothing is very, very form-fitting and very uh, street, uh, uh, streamlined. In Jabari, his clothing is just robes and stuff. I made it so that his people basically are constantly traveling and deal with incredibly hot temperatures. So they need something that's breathable, like monk clothing, since they are nomadic. They need something that's uh, uh, very breathable. I also made it so that Jabari has. Uh, I also made it so that Jabari basically has other variations of his clothing. So if he's in a very cold place, Jabari can technically wear more clothing, or even use his abilities to heat his own body up. Okay, so again, I took all of this into account when designing these characters. I took all that into account when designing these characters, and I made it so that's just part of who they are as people. You know. All of these characters had different anatomies and different abilities. And based off of these anatomies and abilities, I took into account what they can and can't do. Michael, uh, in very cold environments, Neptune and Michael would be able to survive in very cold environments longer than everyone else. Because both of their people exist in very cold situations. With Neptune being in the ocean and Michael, whose people come from a tundra. In deserts, uh, but in those cold environments, uh, Jabari would be the main one who would have issues. Jabari is more likely to freeze to death in a very cold environment. However, also Jainai. Jainai would also freeze to death in a very cold environment. That's not only because of their clothing, but their biology as well. In a very hot environment, Neptune would be the main one who is having an issue. Neptune's people aren't designed to be in the cold for very long periods of time. In the heat for very long periods of time. And it would be... Uh, and Michael would also have issues being in the heat. However, Boan, uh, However, Jabari and Kai would be totally fine in the heat. They could be in the heat a lot longer than a normal human. While Jasonio and Ashan and Bennett and Boan would all have the regular human amount of... Uh, 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 time. If a human can spend about two hours in the desert heat without dying, then Boan, Jasonio, Ashan, and Bennett can all be able to spend their time in this heat for about two hours, while Michael and uh, Neptune would be able to spend the, uh, would only be able to spend about one hour, and Jain, uh, well, Jainai technically would be a little bit less than one hour, or Jainai would be a little bit more than an hour. He probably like an hour and thirty minutes. Probably. And Jabari and Kai being able to spend two hours in the heat. Uh, not two hours. 
they could be able to spend three hours in the desert heat. And then, of course, there's Omito, who's an inorganic being of an illusion appearance. And Omito could spend days, years in that desert heat, and he would not feel a, de- a thing. But keeping Omito's anatomy in mind, Omito can't sense temperature differences. He, His entire population are shapeshifters. So Omito can't understand the concept that humans can eat crab or that humans can eat chicken. But it has to be cooked to a specific temperature. Otherwise, they could die. And even if you do cook it, it could technically be a little bit underdone, which could kill a human. Which is wild to him. He is, you know, he's so, a lot of this stuff that makes sense to us humans is alien as shit to him. Because it's just weird. The idea that a human can eat something that they can technically eat is just a little bit older. And it could give them food poisoning. Despite the fact that normally they could eat the spine and they'll be fine. Totally alien to him. The idea that humans can die of overheating is alien as shit to him. He can't tell the difference between a very hot place and a very cold place because he doesn't have an organ system or a nervous system to tell him that something's very hot. Omito can dunk his hand in boiling water and it won't do anything because his physical appearance is just an illusion. He can do, uh, like Neptune, Neptune and Omito could be talking, having a conversation, and they're not paying attention and they walk into a lake. They're walking through the lake and they end up walking out of the lake from the opposite side, still talking, and neither of them noticed because Omito doesn't need oxygen to speak and Neptune can breathe on their water. So of course, they can easily be able to do that and neither of them would notice because that's just Omito's anatomy. Omito can be thrown into the ocean and he can easily shapeshift himself into a boat and sail away or swim away like a fish or just sink all the way to the bottom and just sit there waiting for someone or waiting until he gets bored and then he'll just stand up and walk somewhere because that's just Omito, you know? <laughs> that's just how he is. Now, that's of course part of this whole thing about these characters that I adore and I always adored writing for. All of their anatomies and the way that I designed them made them so interesting and so fascinating that the idea of this story makes it like, oh my god, there's so many different things that each character can do on their own. Combine, put them together and they could take down nations. You know, that's the thing. And it's such an interesting idea. And I know that I'm definitely talking about, I'm not really talking about the topic. I'm just mainly talk, showing off my own characters and stuff. But that's how I want you to be. If you design your characters well enough... It will get to the point where you basically want to tell, you want to scream to the world, to everyone in the world, that you design your characters in this way. You know? You want to scream to the world that I design my characters like this, this, and that, and they're amazing, and they're this, and they're that. All this is the good stuff. And that's what I want you to do. I take full pride in all my characters. I love their designs, and I love everything about them. And of course, that's just part of it, you know? I love their designs and everything about them and the idea that one day people will get to see this on TV or read the comic or whatever the fuck amazes me and inspires me to just keep it moving, like to get it out faster, you know? So far at this very moment, I have 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. 28 different characters. 
28 different characters who are designed at this very moment. Technically, probably more. Actually, no. That's probably it. But probably more, honestly, if I'm being completely honest. But yeah, 28 of the 110 plus characters who are designed. Actually, yeah, that's 29. I'm looking at 29 right now. I forgot to put him in that page. But still. 29 plus characters of the series that are just like, holy shit, you know? I can't wait for this to like, you know be released and all this other stuff because i still work on these characters and i'm still working on a script for these episodes and stuff like that and hopefully one day i can be able to make it so that people can read it or i'll actually be able to learn how to do backgrounds and stuff like that so i can actually be able to draw it out and stuff and make it and put it out there and all that other stuff but still i want to make sure that i have the script first and then we'll do all of that but yeah as i said i want you as the audience member to look at all your characters and take into account everything about them. You know, look at the characters and think about the idea of, I have a black girl character, I have a black man character, I have this, this, and that, bigger character, smaller character, shorter character, taller character, you know, all this kind of stuff. Okay, I want you to have all this kind of stuff and add as much wacky, random shit to your story as you want because at the end of the day, dude, it's your story. You can create this amazing world that will get people addicted to watching your show. That when they find out that your show or your TV show or game or movie or whatever the fuck is releasing another ad addition to their world, I want you to make it so that audience members scream and lose their minds. They're texting their friends and they're freaking out like, oh my god, there's a new movie or there's a new game. Whatever. You know, they're freaking out because they're ready for the next addition. Uh, no. Increment? No. There's something... Something like that. But they're just waiting for the next moment of their story or of the thing, you know? That's what I want you as an audience member to be able to do. I want you to be able to do that. Or not really do that, but I want you to be able to have this kind of thing for your audience members, you know? That's what I want. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the end of today's episode for right now. Thank you so much for listening, and I, will, I guess I will see you guys next time in the next episode, okay? Also, I just need to make this one little outro. Thank you so much for listening to the series, and thank you so much for staying so damn long. I have been trying to, like, focus on doing the podcast and all this other stuff, and also other random things like that as well, other random creative things as well that I've been doing on the side that I've just, you know, I personally think it's a good idea for anybody to have multiple different forms of creative outputs. I think that's something that everybody should have in mind, or not everybody should have in mind, but, you know, just something, you know? I just think that it's something that everybody could benefit from. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you guys next time in the next episode, whenever that might be. And remember, just write your story and create whatever the fuck that you want, dude. Put it out there, and maybe one day I'll be one of your fans, and hopefully one day you're one of my fans. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and bye.